WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis. How is everyone out there? It's your double E, Ina Esco. And check it out. We are going live with the Verbally Effective Podcast powered by We Are Memphis today. And I got one of my alumni in the building with me. I'm talking about none other than Carmion Hamilton. What's up, Carmion? How are you, beautiful? I am amazing. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first live. It's okay. your first live? Yeah. Oh, good. I get to baptize you with this live today, beautiful. <laughs> now, for, for those that don't see us right now, y'all already know Carmion is suited and booted up in here looking <laughs> fabulous as always. And if you're not familiar with Carmion Hamilton, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a Memphis-based interior designer and lifestyle blogger behind the brand Newbie Interiors. She is the winner of HGTV's Design Star Next Gen and the star of HGTV's Reno Marenzo. She's not playing, y'all. Her work Story and content around design, branding, and elevating the everyday are featured in reference in Architectural Digest, Southern Living, Essence, Domino, and more. That's what I'm talking about. Carmion Hamilton in the building doing a live verbally effective podcast with me, your double E, Ina Esco, today. So, Carmion, since you know you're an alum in every well, you know, usually on the verbally effective podcast when we talked last time you know we kind of started at the very beginning and walked through your upbringing I do want to get into some of your roots because you are originally from Arkansas so tell the good people about what part of Arkansas are you from and how you came to Memphis yes I rep Memphis like I was born and raised here however I was actually born and raised in West Memphis Arkansas right across the bridge Um, I went to college at the University of Central Arkansas and lived in my first five years of my career in design in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So the entire stretch of 40 across the state of Arkansas is where I got my upbringing and my start in interior design. Wow. So like growing up over there in West Memphis, did you like, oh, I want to go to Memphis? You know what? And growing up in West Memphis, the only thing I knew about Memphis at the time is where the mall was and where Red Lobster was. Okay. That was about the gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was across their bridge, right? Uh, that was it. That was all I knew. <laughs> now, you know, you originally, um, when you went to school at the University of Central Arkansas, your original major was physical therapy, Mm -hmm. and it eventually got into interior design. I want you to tell the verbally effective audience about this story right there, how that happened. Yes, so I was a student athlete in high school. Um, I had basketball scholarships and academic scholarships, but was not in love with the game enough to play and commit my life to it in college, so I took my academic scholarship, my full ride, chose the University of Central Arkansas because of their physical therapy program. Mm -hmm. Um, They're one of the best in the region. And I wanted some, uh, like, pseudo connection to sports. So that's why I chose physical therapy. Because you was hoping. Oh, oh, honey. Yes. State champion, (laughs) six-man award, all of those. Yes, absolutely. Um, So I went to college and immediately had the goal to get out in four years, I knew I did not want to be a professional student. I'm like, I got mm-hmm. things to do. I got a degree to get, money to make by a certain age. And so I, as a freshman, took on 18 course hours every semester. Mm. Every semester. And I did it for two years and went to summer school. 
because I was like, I'm getting out of here. But ultimately realized, like, I hated everything about science and everything wow. else that was related to physical therapy and lost my academic scholarship. Mm. So, and I lost it because of taking chemistry and biology and, like, history and calculus. That's all a heavy it was, like, load. it was a heavy load. Wow. And I couldn't commit my time to everything the way I should have. Also, mm-hmm. that was the first time I actually, like, had to study. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think I perfected the art of studying until college um, so yeah, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't what it needed to be. Okay. And so that academic scholarship went out the window. So to help pay for school, I became an RA, a resident assistant. That's the first time you get your mm-hmm. own dorm room, unless you're somebody special. Yes. Um, so I got to decorate it the way I wanted to. And with my mom's help and one of her friends, Miss Deborah in West Memphis. Hey, Miss Deborah. Um, <laughs> shout out Miss Deborah. <laughs> shout out to Miss Deborah. Uh, I designed a pink and zebra dorm room with custom curtains and a custom mm-hmm. bedspread and all types of stuff. Um, and one of my fellow RAs walked into the room and she said, girl, like, what are you, what'd you say your major was? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you, what are you doing with your life? You should check out the interior design department. And I was like, well, what is that? Cause I had no concept of it being a career or something you could major in before that very moment. Wow. So the next day I went and talked to the Dean of the department changed my major mm-hmm. instantly and ultimately graduated from college early thanks to taking wow. all of those <laughs> courses yes. uh, front loading the beginning I graduated I finished a semester a year early wow technically a semester early but and you switched your major as what classification as Arkansas. a I was going into my junior year okay so you probably had all of your prereqs and all, all pre-reqs of that were done. done my last year and a half of school was only art history and the rest were senior seminar type course courses for interior design yes so yes. you graduated baby you was like i'm ready interior design world yes <laughs> so i know that you worked in that space for others right yes um a- after completing college for about yes. five years mm-hmm. um talk to us about um you know when you entered the interior design space working for others and some of the things that you learned and helped you launch newbie interiors so my first job after college was working for a healthcare company. It was a private healthcare company based in Fort Smith that owned about 300 facilities across the country, facilities like hospitals and nursing homes, physical therapy clinics, funny enough. And mm-hmm. I was hired on as a junior designer to assist the senior designers and also partner with our in-house project managers and architects to renovate all of those facilities. So. Mm-hmm. For the first five years of my interior design career, also, I went into my career in the peak of the recession in 2008. Wow, that was a crazy time. Yes, every single one of my classmates were having problems finding jobs because the interior design industry for residential or pretty much anything outside of healthcare just quit because the housing crash, Mm -hmm. everything was going the opposite direction for everyone else, but healthcare remain they steady boomed. no matter what <laughs> yes. so I spent five years traveling all across the country I traveled to 43 states in those wow. five years um did you like it I loved it yes. and I was a 22 23 year old mm-hmm. and my partner was a project manager he was about a 65 year old man and he in instinctly like knew that I hadn't seen anything just a little country girl from Arkansas mm-hmm. and when we would go we would have a locations around dc or napa he would make sure we would plan those trips around the cherry blossoms blooming Mm -hmm. or 
going to a specific restaurant because of a certain type of wine that was on. He was uh, getting that culture in there. He he cultured me, and it was literally the most amazing job that I could have had fresh out of college. And so with that, I learned so much about healthcare and just how important our environments are to our well-being because I worked on a lot of dementia wards Mm -hmm. um, and, and things of that nature. So I learned a lot about design specifically, but also just knowing what kind of life I wanted mm-hmm. after being exposed to so many things during that time. Um, but I didn't really have a client. So I didn't, mm. that part I had to learn once I was laid off from that amazing job okay. when they decided to do away with the design department, they took on the McDonald's approach and said, we're going to make every single one of them look the same. Mm. So after that, you don't need a designer anymore. So I went to work for a retailer. Okay. They were IO Metro here IO in Metro. Memphis. And that was when we relocated to Memphis also. Um, so that was the first time I had the client designer relationship walking customers through what type of furniture we had and what was best mm-hmm. for their homes and going into their homes and doing consultations. And at the time it was to sell as much furniture as I could, but that was the first time I realized how personal you have to get when you're designing someone's home and it's also why I got fired from that job because I'm like I know your lifestyle I've met you I've seen your Mm -hmm. house I know how you live this isn't the right furniture for you so I was Mm -hmm. telling people not to buy the furniture like I know what you want I know you (laughs) I'm like this ain't it don't spend your money on this go down here and get this thing and so yeah I got fired from that job because Um, of that (laughs) uh, lack of sales I did not make my sales quota gotcha gotcha um but it was a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. I, I have I still talk to the clients that I met uh, working for that company because they it was just really getting to know people. It taught me how to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Um, so after being fired from there, I worked for another retailer, but told them I was not selling a thing. Okay, <laughs> um, let me do something else. Yes, I was going to do something else, and I went into visual merchandising, which was making the store pretty and making sure everything that should have been on the floor was on the floor so people, so the salespeople could sell it and people could buy it. Um, and originally just was the little girl on the floor, but elevated with that company over five years to be their lead buyer wow. and senior designer. So I managed all of the visual designers for the store, for the brand, Mm-hmm. Um, also designed and selected all of the products for our photo shoots and styled it. So I worked in production at that point, working with the the production companies that shot our commercials. Mm. So, And I designed all of the St. Jude homes at that okay. time because the retailer that I worked for, Stash Home, they sponsored it mm-hmm. alongside Ashley Home Store. So I did a lot you did. for that particular company. And that job taught me how much I was capable of. Mm-hmm. but also how undervalued I was okay. as well. So when push came to shove, it was time to go. Um, and I was like, I could do this by myself. Were I can you, be stressed out those... for my own stuff. Okay, <laughs> because that that does, just listening to you talk about all of the responsibilities you had, mm-hmm. you know, that seemed like it could have got a little stressful on top oh, of it. it did. Yes. It did. It was very stressful working 60 hours a week and traveling every week to all of the locations and managing people and their lives and their Mm -hmm. problems and all of this 
product and also going to market six times a year and Mm -hmm. all of this forecasting and managing logistics and supply chain, like all of these things I had to do. I had to use my left and my right brain. That's a lot for that job. I know. And I'm like, I did it and I did it well. And I quit that job because my boss, who was the owner of the company at the time was just like I feel like you're not all the way in what you're not you're you you got one foot in the boat and one foot out the boat and I need you all the way in I'm like how much more in can I be like I'm here like you got me you text me at eight o'clock at night like what how much more do you want they wanted your blood but apparently like my my online career had taken off around the same time and I tried to take them with me I'm like just let me Mm promote you guys like we could work together the stuff that I'm being asked to do let me bring you with me but they didn't they didn't want to do that so they probably felt some kind of way about they that, did. this situation they did and so I ultimately just had to make the decision like I was being written up for posting on social media while at work while I wasn't even at work I took off work and posted that I was at a photo shoot but it was during work hours oh please and I was being written up for it. And so that's that's when I was like, okay, yeah, this is my two-week notice. I can't I can't do this with you. Just like, the last we, straw. I'm just, like, I'm the the main person here mm-hmm. getting everything done. And you you got me in your office getting ready to write me up for oh, posting wow. on Instagram. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> Alrighty. That's crazy. And, and it really seems like, you know, that was the training ground, you know, for oh, you to absolutely. learn everything you needed to to get those clients going. Because yes. you had your online business popping. Do you remember your first client? I, or one of your first clients. I remember, so before I actually took on design projects, I built custom furniture. Okay. And my first client when I moved to Memphis was actually Takesha Berry Brooks and her salon, A Natural Affair. She asked me to build a coffee table for her waiting area. Wow. And that was my introduction to her. And that opened the door for me to be the face of naturals in the city because I had just Mm -hmm. gone natural at the same time. And that introduced me to Memphis, actually. Mm-hmm. And so it it was my introduction to the creative community. Mm-hmm. And so I she will always have a special place in my heart. She does my hair to this day. So. Wow. I know <laughs> so, that's a strong relationship yes, right there. very much so. So hey, Takesha. Hey, but- Takesha. <laughs> Shout out to Keisha, honey. Wow. So you know what? Just listening you know, to how you actually started Nubian Interiors. And, and you said that you designed a coffee table mm-hmm. for her. You mm-hmm. did it with your hands, Carmel? With my bare hands. So yes. you, you get in it. You, you, oh, honey. Oh, you doing it from beginning to end. Oh, honey, these cute outfits, this is new. <laughs> this is the new version of Carmion. I mean, I did everything. I painted, I built, I, I sewed. I'm like, I don't have time for it now, so that's why mm-hmm. I hire people to do it, but... Even most of the projects in my house, until we did our kitchen renovation a year, two years ago, mm-hmm. I did everything. I painted yes. everything. I changed all the light fixtures. I I did everything. That is amazing. So. And you know what? We all follow you on social media, and you share your experience, um, the projects that you work on in mm-hmm. your home. And, you know, you're so personal and vulnerable. And, you know, your storytelling abilities is just, you know, non-matched. Like, well, you're going to give you. it to thank us. Thank you. Yes. I got to give you all the details. And don't have no problem <laughs> doing it, girl. None at all. Look, I got I to gotta put a little press pot on. Like, I'm not going <laughs> on Instagram today. But Look. I admire you 
for your capabilities to handle this social media life Thank because you. you know a lot comes with that and um you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the projects that you've worked on in your home. Let's talk about that because I see the pool about to be completed. Baby, <laughs> when I leave here today, I am going to get in it. You're going to dip in it today. today. It's supposed to be the final day. Like they turn the pool equipment on and the chemicals go in and it runs for a couple of hours and it's ready. Like, How long this project been going on with the pool? We started the pool May 18th. Okay. And I have been in a very privileged position for this pool. Most pools take, you know, six, nine, 12 months sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the company that I hired to do my landscaping just so happened to also do pools. I didn't know that when I hired them to do the landscaping. I asked my landscape architect to just drop in a picture of a pool in the rendering just so I could see what my backyard looked like. Mm -hmm. And he did this rendering, and I was like, yeah, I want a pool. Like, okay, He was like, on. you know we do pools. I said, no, I didn't know. Perfect. And when I finally pulled the trigger, he was like, yeah, I left a spot open in our calendar since we were already, we've been here at your house working on your house, so it takes nothing to just start here instead of working on a whole new project. I'm like, so... As soon as I told him I wanted a pool, we were digging a hole the next week. Wow. So it was, it's been an amazing process. Solo Landscape is the company. I will mm -hmm. shout them out for everything. I mean, when I tell you, it's hard hiring people mm -hmm. to do things. And so to see uh, Patrick Neelius and his company, Solo Landscape, when they come out, they don't send just one or two people to come mm -hmm. do a few. No, there's like nine separate the crews team. that do everything. So there's probably 12 people right now converging on my house, like doing repairs and pressure washing and mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. They have been the most incredible company and hiring like contractor experience I've ever had. Like, yes. And you said that's the same company that did your landscaping. Cause landscaping. that was like a major yes. project my in goodness. your neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Took over the whole block for like six months. Yeah, porta potty on the curb, everything like a like, real yes, deal project, a real overhaul. Yes, they did that. That was beautiful. And it is incredible. It is incredible. Yes. So they did the patio on the back as well. Yep. They did everything. They touched everything on the outside of my house. Wow. All, everything uh, to the mailbox, like. Even the mailbox. See, 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 Kamion is here to stay in the M town, baby. She's oh, not yes, going honey. nowhere. She's yes, not moving honey. to LA or New York, you know, anytime soon or anything. No. <laughs> I had to invest in my roots. Yes, I understand. Hey, we're going to uh, play a little um, commercial real quick and we'll be back and we'll get all into the HGTV experiences yeah. with Carmion Hamilton. The next round of our collaboration bids with Crosstown Brewing Company is ready. The next round of our collaboration bids with Crosstown Brewing Company is ready. Take a walk down the tart end of the street where soul music meets a fruity and flavorful sour beer with notes of pineapple, peach, and apricot. You can find the beer at grocery stores and other local Crosstown Brewing Company retailers. A portion of the proceeds goes towards helping WYXR and supporting community radio in Memphis. Visit CrosstownBeer.com for more information.
WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis. Your double E, Ina Esco, is in the building doing a live, verbally effective podcast with none other than Carmion Hamilton. You know, she is the owner of Newbie Interiors. She is the star of Reno My Rental on HGTV. I know she has a lot of fans out here in the M. That's why I have her with me today on Verbally Effective Podcast, powered by We Are Memphis Live over here at WYXR. So, Carmion, let's get into it with HGTV. Let's go. How did the relationship begin with the TV the TV aspect of your world? It started with Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I got a DM from a casting director, and I had gone through several casting opportunities before then. At the time, you know, somebody sends you an email, they send you a DM, we have this project we think you'd be great for. You go through this whole process via Zoom and Skype and recording videos and submitting things, and I had been doing that probably for two years before I got this particular message and I was burnt out from the first round that I had gone through because you go through it and of course I hadn't been on TV before then you get rejected you Mm -hmm. hear okay you're great but you're a little too unique or not quite the direction we're going for or whatever it is but it's a ton of rejection so I was like yeah okay yeah I don't don't think I want to do this anymore so by the time this particular casting director approached me and sent the DM I'm like hi yeah thank you but no thank you I'm not interested and it was a whole lot of please 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 we think like no we really think you'd be great we just need you to sit for this interview really quick so I said okay so I did it this is after turning him down in DMs and then he emailed me and then like <laughs> very persistent. Yes, very persistent. Went through the process and um pretty much had been told like I was part of the final um group of people that they were considering and then COVID hit. Mm. Uh, So I started the interview process very early February and then mid-March of course the world shut down 2020. And I didn't hear anything until May. And they're like, the project is still happening. We just are trying to figure out how to make it happen in a COVID world. Production and the laws and everything around production had changed because everything had shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, So they said, please just be patient with us. We will get back to you once we have everything figured out. Um, But June... Um, I like to call it the Great White Awakening happened on social media, of course, with the George Floyd mur- murder. Yeah. And so I got a flood. I think I got like 80,000 followers on mm. Instagram in a matter of two weeks um, after lots of white influencers were sharing black influencers like me and a lot of wow. my friends. So, <laughs> so. Look at your fans um, out here at WY Curseside Crosstown. Ain't no Carmion. So I got this huge influx of following, which people go into my website mm-hmm. and people booking me for uh, consultations. And so I had tripled my business. I had tripled my corporate salary by that point from the year before. Wow. By June, just from booking consultations. Mm-hmm. Um, were you shocked that they were sharing as much as they were at that time? I... I was not shocked because, one, I've been in the world of social media for, like, since the beginning. Mm -hmm. I I was a blogger before I was on Instagram, so I've always shared. And in the social media space, 
especially in the home design space, like you see a lot of us in fashion and beauty, but you don't see us in home design. That's predominantly mm-hmm. a white uh, industry. So we knew that we were great, especially my best friend who does the same thing that I do. We are sitting at, you know, 20, 40, 50,000 followers where our white counterparts who are doing, you know, their their stuff is nice, but we are actually showing you you giving the, the it breath. all. We are giving it. We're giving it to the people. <laughs> it's but giving. They have like two hundred and fifty thousand followers, five hundred thousand right. followers, and we're like, why can't? Why aren't we there? Why don't we get these opportunities? And then we see them sharing each other. Mm-hmm. They share each other all the time. So their best friends are. They have, you know, five hundred thousand followers as well. So as soon as they shared the black um, influencers in design that was the great white wave of people that discovered that there are black interior designers in this space and oh they use color not every room is white in this house and not everything like so it was it was wonderful in one sense but also we felt fetishized also having this um growth on the back of a murder of a black man like it all it was a lot of mixed emotions Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, we didn't really know how to take it. But mm-hmm. by that point, with me tripling my business, the production team called back and was like, okay, we're ready. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. that's okay. I'm good because okay. my business is doing great, all of these other things. And it took my husband and my best friend going, like, girl, you got the business. Mm-hmm. The business is going to be here, but when are you going to have the opportunity to do TV again? So. Oh my God! Phone. Siri it's okay. Anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I decided to do the show. Okay. And it wasn't until I agreed to do the show that I found out it was a competition show. You don't. They know. didn't even tell you that no, initially. You have no idea what you're mm. auditioning for. They just say we have a project because most of it is you know, confidential information. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found out why it was confidential because it was HGTV bringing back Design Star, which was their number one rated show, but it had been on hiatus since 2013. Mm. So... They're like, yeah, it's a competition show. And I'm like, wait a minute. Uh-uh. I didn't, I, do all of this. <laughs> I didn't do all of this to be to compete for my own right. show. Like, I thought you were telling me I was getting my own show. So I really was like, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm not a competitor, which is why I didn't play basketball in college. I'm like, mm. I'm great at it, and it's fun, but my heart's not in it. Like, right. I love what I do, but... This isn't an industry where you compete against people. But on TV. On, on TV. Yeah. Like, i got to put my brand on the line. I have to stop what I'm doing yeah. in real life to go pursue this thing. So it was a lot of uncertainty, but it was one of those, like, jump off the ledge and see what yeah. happens kind Why of things. Not? And yeah. lo and behold, I won. You won. <laughs> you won. See, hubby and friend was right. They were right. They yes. were right. They absolutely were. Yes. And then that uh, led to Reno My Rental. It did. So we went from the competition um, and immediately, like two weeks after I won, I was on the phone with producers. Like, what kind of show do you want to do? Where? What is? And I told them, I don't care what show y'all want me to do, but it's happening in Memphis. Yes. I'm going home and I want whatever this is going to be to happen in my city. I want people from Memphis hired to work on my show. 
I want design and HGTV to be in Memphis. I want the world to see Memphis the way I see it because right now we only on First 48 and the news and that ain't it. That's not my version of Memphis. So we talked through several iterations of a show and Mm -hmm. landed on working with renters and 56% of Memphis rent. And so it just made sense. Also the Mm -hmm. fact that there was no programming for renters existing anywhere on mm-hmm. any network at the time. So I'm like, you're missing out on a major market mm-hmm. of consumers. So let's let's do that. And it it was incredible. The mm-hmm. experience was incredible. Um, I think we hired like ten local people for six weeks. So we got to bring money into the city mm-hmm. and just really put Memphis in the most beautiful light and it was captured beautifully and and I loved every single second of it. It was Yes, it was you were able experience. to highlight this this city that yes. we stay in. Yes, I did. And I know it was much appreciated by, you know, some of the business owners mm-hmm. here, you know, the representatives for the city of Memphis because that was like a huge deal. Miss Carmion Hamilton over here <laughs> in Memphis highlighting. Now, when you started Reno My Rental, Did you have, like, full creativity with this? Yes, I did. I had full creative control. Um, We had to determine which spaces uh, with the budgets that we were given that we could tackle. I mean, I'm I'm like, can we do the whole house? Because this needs – once I walk in, I'm like, okay, we – how do you come in and do two rooms? Because the whole house needs to be addressed. Okay. But we had to go through that process. And once we narrowed down the spaces, I got to do what I do. I sat down. They gave me a design team. Um, and I sat down with them. And I'm like, I see teal cabinets and white quartz countertops and a modern uh, subway tile backsplash and brass hardware and a checkerboard floor. Like, I just got to spit fire my designs and have other people execute it for me. So they would go source everything and go, here are our options that we can get in time or within our budget. And I would sort through them, pick the final thing, and then have everybody put it together. I come mm-hmm. in, I do all the styling, final say so, all of that stuff. But it was all it was all me. Oh it was yeah. Absolutely all me, with the help of some amazing artisans and craft people based here in Memphis. Yeah. So, so Carmion, after the success of Reno My Rental, um, how did the producers and uh, the team in HG T V respond to it? Oh, they were incredible incredibly supportive and excited they they loved the show as much as I did um they also came back and told me like I didn't seem like a first time Mm -hmm. talent um no you didn't and I'm like I've tried to tell y'all I do this every day on Instagram (laughs) she's a natural (laughs) um but they were they were impressed with me they were impressed with the city of memphis they loved the show and the designs it really gave viewers something completely different mm-hmm. than what you see typically on hgtv um we i'm sure we use tons of color because color isn't something you see on hgtv it's a bunch of white and gray yes and maybe a little blue sometimes but i wanted people to understand that they had the freedom to go beyond what they saw on tv like expanding mm-hmm what they thought they knew about design and they they loved my approach to design and it's leading to other opportunities I as know. we speak. I know. <laughs> I know. Let's stay in this time frame for a bit, Carmion, because I think okay. around this time you had 
a horrible tragedy in your life because you were like really at the peak of this success with HGTV and we're all tuned into your socials. Mm -hmm. And at this time you lost your husband. I did. Because I believe when we did the verbal effective before, you know, this tragedy hadn't happened and you were telling Mm -hmm. me about your relationship. And I think shortly after it happened and I was like, oh my God, I just talked to Carmion. Mm -hmm. How was it going through that and being so vulnerable on social media with how you felt and just being honest and sharing, you know, continuing what you do on social media? It, I get that question a lot. Like, how how were you able to come and share and do? Because you would break down and I'm breaking down looking at you like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine. It, and I did it because social media was where I lived. And so it actually felt like I was leaving a ton of the people that were important to me in the dark about a very huge situation in my life. I'm like, I talk to my online community every day, mm-hmm. every day. And my husband was a huge part of my social media presence and they loved him mm-hmm. just like I knew they would when I was asking him to be a part of my, my, uh, community. Um, and so when he tragically was killed, I knew I needed to go one and let my community know I was okay Mm-hmm. Um, and to just fill them in on what was happening because that's what I did every day before the tragedy happened. And mm-hmm. so I, it was like having a cousin, like say for instance, one of your cousins, something happens to one of your cousins and you don't get to know anything about mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, like, well, is she all right? I talk to her every day. Yes. We talk every day. How come I can't know? So I felt obligated and not even like not obligation as a negative thing, but I owe it to my community that's been supporting me for mm-hmm. 10 plus years on Instagram and my blog, like to tell them what has happened, to tell them I'm okay, to thank them for being there and thank them for loving on me. And they were supporting me in ways that I didn't even know about. There were meal trains that were happening. People were paying for cleaning services wow. and sending my son gift cards and like all of these things that were happening because they cared about me up until that point. They just wanted to help in any way they could. So mm-hmm. I, I, there was no way I could go through that experience and not include them in it. Yes. And, and when um, your partner's at, HGTV got the news. Mm-hmm. I know they were blowing you up. Like, are you okay? They were. They they were very respectful, though. Like, it was, it's a very surreal experience, one, to go through losing your husband, number one. But to lose your husband right after rapping, mm-hmm. shooting your first show, and it's three weeks before its premiere, he passed away on the day that, Design Star was airing on HGTV, so everything was coming to cable for the first mm-hmm. time. And it was, it's just, I had to sit and think, like, what what is life right now? Like, yeah. how, how did I get here? Like, mm-hmm. I'm a girl that was relatively nobody a year ago. And as soon as I tell the world, or my, who I thought, well, just my Instagram community that my husband has passed away, like his stories on People Magazine and all of these wow. websites, and it was news. Like mm-hmm. now I'm news, and so it's it. Uh, my friends convened and protected me from a lot of things, but the people that cared, like the people at the network, they immediately were like, 
do you want us to postpone the premiere? Do you want us to take him out of the show? Do you want, oh, like, wow. how how do you want to handle this? Uh, also, you don't have to answer this right now. We mm-hmm. want to make sure you're okay. And they did. They sent flowers. They sent meals. They did all of those things. But they were very much like, how do you want to handle your show and your husband and all of these things that come with it? And I'm like, my husband would kill me if, if he didn't move I forward. postponed <laughs> yeah. anything. Or if I took him out, he wouldn't care if I took him out. But I'm like, no, he was an integral part of me getting to that point. Yeah. Of course I wanted him on the show and I wanted people to see him in that light. And so I said, no, we're keeping everything as it is. Air it when it's supposed to air. It, it's That's the way it's supposed to be. He wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yes. And and I bet you feel like, you know, he's your guardian angel now. Absolutely. Like, he's just really in that Absolutely. head. He's loud. He real loud. All the <laughs> he time. loud. All the time. <laughs> wow. So what does life look like now, Carmion, w- without him? Have you have you been able to move forward? Yes. I, um, I... I lost my mom 10 years ago, my my grandmother, who was my best friend, four years before that. So I've experienced a ton of loss in my life. And loss doesn't get easier. It becomes something you start to understand better. Mm-hmm. And so the grief process for me, especially after losing my husband, um, which was vastly different from losing my mom and my grandmother. I watched my grandmother and mother who both had breast cancer, Mm. like deteriorate. And I actually lived with my mom and took care of her. Like I told my mom, like, it's okay for you to go. Cause she was suffering at that point. I was waiting for that. And so to, to have that experience with loss and death and grief, to be relieved that someone is gone because they're no longer suffering. And then Mm -hmm. to experience someone that you love leaving the house in the morning and you just don't see them again for the rest of your life. That is an entirely different thing. So Mm. it was coping with one waking up in the morning and he's not there. Like, I don't, I don't know. He, he was on his motorcycle, which is what he loved to do, but I didn't get to be with him in his loss. So dealing with the his disappearance and his absence was a huge thing for both me and my son. Mm -hmm. Um, But making sure I was innately aware of always acknowledging his presence when I could feel it Mm -hmm. and talking about him constantly and making sure our friends talk about him. Like, I don't know what it is. People get nervous or whatever. Don't want to talk about the people that you've lost. And I'm like, you're, you're letting him die again. If, if we forget him, if you don't bring him up, like he dies twice. Mm -hmm. So no, if you have a funny story, tell the funny story. If he pissed you off, tell me that too like whatever it is (laughs) because he's still very much a part of me if I'm the only one that's thinking or talking about him he's died to me twice if I can't share with you guys the people that I'm talking to all the time if you don't give that back to me so I I have coped with it what some people say amazingly well is just normal for me but Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I move in a state of gratitude more than I move in a state of loss I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for the 15 years that I had with him instead of him being taken away from me so I I sit in what I had like what did I have and what did I learn and what does that mean to me instead of I don't have it anymore Mm -hmm. so it's where my my saying of I'm not a glass half empty or a glass half full type person I'm just 
I'm happy I have a glass type person. Okay. So that's that's where that came from. Like I, I had my husband and he was amazing. I have never been loved so perfectly in my mm. life. And I tell people like if if I'm never in another relationship again, I'm perfectly fine because I was loved perfectly once in my lifetime. Yes. Um, but I don't suspect that that will be the case because I walk through life with my hands open and whatever mm-hmm. happens, happens, whatever comes, comes. And that's what he would want me to do. Like he would tell me all the time, go be great, go mm-hmm. fly and never stop smiling. Those are the three yes. things he told me all the time. He saw that light in you a long time a long, ago. Like from the day we met, the wow. day we met. Um, wow. Two weeks into knowing me, he told me I was going to be a star. Yes, yes. So it is because of him that I moved the way that I move mm-hmm. because he's that battery in my back that's mm-hmm. been telling me to be great for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I can't be anything else. Plus, I have a 13-year-old son that I yes. have to raise and make sure I'm okay to make sure he's okay. So yeah. I want to be a good example of healthy grief and just being a healthy human, period, mm-hmm. to my son. Yes. So I can't, I can't just crumble out here. Yes. I got stuff to do. You got stuff to do. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, the way that you talk through that and describe that whole experience, I mean, I mean, like I said, I can't imagine, but, but the way that you articulated that was very beautiful and in the sense of, you know, you want to constantly remember him. Yes. If he pissed you off, if he made if you he happy. Because he made a lot of people mad. <laughs> he was a little to play. his <laughs> <laughs> And you mentioned that your son is 13 yes. now. How He's is he 13. doing? And oh just went back gosh. to school, right? Just started school. We are in eighth grade, so our last year of middle school. And, I mean, he's the most beautiful kid I've ever he's seen. He's so handsome. He's very handsome. And he's he's the kid that doesn't know he's handsome mm-hmm. and doesn't know he's cool, so he's super nonchalant. But also, he's thirteen, and so we are at that. That's a special uh, age, yes, Carmion. Very, very special. Um, <laughs> that <know>. makes you <laughs> question lots of things in life. <laughs> I feel you. I um, empathize, but I love it. I, it yes. is it is wonderful experiencing the world through his eyes Mm -hmm. and understanding what's important to him and just I just want him to know that he matters today like I'm not waiting on you to grow up to be something like you are valuable to me today and every day and every moment so I, I focus on him being a good human and once you do that like all the good stuff just comes after that Yes. So, yeah, Because you know what? That generation right there is different. It's very, ooh, So, very different. I, like I said, I empathize. <laughs> they want different things. They yes. think differently. Like, and, and when you have a conversation with them, they look at things in a whole other way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> very holistic, actually. Yes. And speak very matter-of-factly. Like, oh, okay, so you don't care about anybody's feelings? or Okay. okay like, they didn't been like... around here a few times. And you're like, dude, you know how much older I am? Like, I didn't been there, done that. But, and you remember your parents used to tell you that. But this gen is different. Different. So I understand. Wow. Well, you know what? Let's play another promo and then we'll get into some of the big events that you got coming up and big projects, Carmion. Okay. Got it. All right. 
Memphis Music Festival returns to Radiance Amphitheater at Memphis Botanic Garden on September 30th through October 2nd. This year's fest features the excitement of the Black Keys, Widespread Panic, Wilco, Jason Isbell, Portugal the Man, Tank and the Bangas, Bobby Rush, and many more. Visit MemphoFest.com for ticket packages, lineup information, FAQs, and more. That's MemphoFest.com. The Onstage at the Halloran Center season presents the musical history of Royal Studios. Narrated by Boo Mitchell on Friday, August 26th, High Rhythm and Boo Mitchell share the stories of soul music and take you on a musically guided journey of more than 60 years with Willie Mitchell and his iconic Royal Studios. More information at orpheum-memphis.com. W-Y-X-R, 91.7 FM Memphis, your double E, Ina Esco in the building. And we are doing a live, verbally effective podcast powered by We Are Memphis right here in the studio with none other than the fabulous Carmion Hamilton. Yes, me and Carmion have been chatting since the top of the 12 o'clock hour. We've learned so much about Carmion. And, you know, I want to get into right now, Carmion, as we close out the conversation, you know, um, what is going on now with your TV world? Because I feel like you got bigger things popping (laughs) these days. (laughs) Like there are really some great projects that you want to work on and probably branch out on. What is going on, Carmion? Indeed, indeed. So um, Rent on My Rental, it is a Discovery Plus original. So the app that HGTV is a part of, uh, the streaming service that HGTV is a part of. So my show um, is a part of, is a Discovery Plus original. Well, Discovery just went through a merger with Time Warner mm. this past spring-ish, late spring, early summer. And so it got it's caught up in the limbo that is mergers in big TV spaces. So they're trying to figure out, like, where the app is going, what's the... Is there going to be an app or is it going to fold under the HBO app? Because that's Time Warner is under HBO. Come on, HBO. So they're trying to, (laughs) one, figure out all of that stuff. And also, I guess, figure out, like, who's doing what. They're combining these two companies. And so they're like, give us a minute, give us a minute before, like, we're, we're working on this before we can decide whether or not there'll be a season two. However, I do know that its premiere was in the top 20 for the entire app Mm. and it was the number one home design show for the app during its premiere the 16 out of the top 20 was uh 90 day fiance Mm -hmm. so oh that was great and then (laughs) rental my rental (laughs) (laughs) so that speaks volumes it does so it did amazingly well there i am holding out hope that there will be a season two Mm -hmm. but of course you never know like those decisions are not mine and i mean if it's not meant to be, I did it, and it was great. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't mean that other things cannot be. No, it doesn't. Not, can, cannot come from it. Um, so I am in talks for a few other very special projects that I'm probably, sh- I shouldn't be saying out loud, but I just know if Carmion is involved in a show that Carmion is on, it's going to stay here in Memphis. Okay. Um, so there are things of that nature in the works when it comes to the TV space and Mm -hmm. also um, being asked to be like a guest making guest appearances Mm -hmm. on other projects and other shows so Mm -hmm. you can see me pop up on some things in early 2023 yeah right now if I'm if we're shooting anytime in the next 
couple months, it'll be next year. Um, that's a great thing. So, yes. So that's that's what's happening in TV land. So stay tuned for more details on that. Um, there's a couple people in Memphis that already know what's happening mm. around those things because they're involved as well. So great. shout out to y'all. I have a good feeling about this. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's a good thing. Yes. It's a good thing. Um, and outside of that, like, after rental my rental and everything aired and premiered like i have been highly sought after for speaking engagements um and so (laughs) i have done i think 14 appearances slash speaking engagements this year um my month of september is already gone do you enjoy Um, them i love if you didn't know i love to talk yes and i have a lot of experience so i have a lot i can talk about and so anytime i'm approached i'm like okay so what what is the event what do you want from me i can Mm -hmm. i can talk about grief i can talk about business i can talk about design i can talk about motherhood i can whatever you want i have i have i've lived a whole life Mm -hmm. almost 37 years of life so what you want and i can i can talk about it and a majority of them have been design related, but I have talked about business and I have spoken mm-hmm. about grief and all other things. So it really opens the doors to be approached by anybody, yeah. basically. Um, September, I have seven appearances. Wow. I'm going to New York twice, on, to New Nashville York. twice, hey, to Miami. Nashville. Oh, and then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have an event with Le Bonner for their sickle cell uh um, fundraiser. Wow. I will be hosting that in September. So lots of local stuff and also everywhere else. So yes. I'm, in, I'm in high demand. Yes, you right are. Now. <laughs> and you know what? Um, you've, you've shared footage from some of the speaking engagements mm-hmm. and to see the response from the people in the audience as they listen to you share it's amazing because because they can feel what you're saying um you know that's why when I introduced you I said you're an exceptional storyteller because everybody can't do that that's a gift it is that is indeed a gift it is and I I now acknowledge it at first I was just like well just like to write I've always Mm -hmm. been a writer Mm-hmm. which is why I blogged and I'm like, well now I just say my stories out loud. Yes. That helps. And that helps, helps with all yes. of that. Yes, wow. Well, you know what, Carmion, I do kind of want you to talk to uh, the verbally effective audience about fear versus taking risks because they probably, mm-hmm. you know, we follow you, we see you, but some of us that want to be an influencer, we may be like, Oh, I don't want to post today or, mm-hmm. you know, I got to do that or, you know, how, how were you able to go ahead and take the risk and do, you know, how you do on social media? I know you've been sharing for a long time, uh-huh. so I know Very you've been comfortable, mm-hmm. but even at that beginning stage, how were you like when you first got on the Instagram app, how did you know, <laughs> like, how did you take the risk? Um, so one, I felt like I've always had a unique perspective, like one if you're a human being, you have a unique perspective, like, because there's only one you. And the things that I was doing, especially being an early adapter of design, um, social media, like blogging about design and DIY and things like that, there were little to no black girls that were doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I can do it from the black girl perspective, not shouting from the rooftops that I'm black, but you can see that I'm a black interior designer. Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of us, so somebody's going to want to hear what I got to say 
even if it's just my mama and my friends from college reading my blog okay. or, or listening to me on Instagram. And that's really how it started. I moved away and wanted my mom and my friends to see my apartment and the changes I was making there. And I also told the story of my husband's and I relationship. That was the beginning of my blogging mm-hmm. um, career. So, like, I've always been an overshare, or people are around me are just nosy and always want to know something. So I'm like, (laughs) here, let me just say it one time. Everybody read it. So I've always been a sharer. And when it came to social media, especially as my platform grew, um, I understood, you know, you can watch HGTV, you see a design show. It's a 30-minute show, hour-long show, but you don't really get a ton of substance. You get the fast track. You see somebody knock some stuff down, put it back together. This is how much it costs. But why paint something white versus green? Why Mm -hmm. paint the trim a different color from the wall? Why, like, so getting people, educating people on the whys of design is what pushed me to talk. I noticed there was something missing and there was something of value that I could provide to people, and that was my motivator. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm a good storyteller, so let me tell you a story about design. But putting myself out there authentically the way that I do, I had checks and balances. My husband, Mm -hmm. who did not understand social media Mm -hmm. from the beginning, hated it, actually, and made me feel bad for wanting to be a part of it, like, he would come home and catch me talking to stories. I'm like, who are you talking to? And what are you doing Girl. this for? You don't know these people and they don't know you. And I'm like, I would be embarrassed. So oh. I would, I always had in mind, if my husband watched this, would he think I was being a totally different person than who he knew? Mm-hmm. And I knew to never do that. I want to be the exact same person that I am all day long in real life to the people that come to my platforms online. And so that's why I'm as authentically myself because I would be embarrassed for my husband or my dad or my son to see something and go, you don't talk like that. like, that's not you. That's not you. Or we argued about that two (laughs) weeks ago and that ain't what you said. So those those people are what keep me 10 toes down, head close to the floor too yes. so I can't get big headed about things and I never would but the my authentic self is who I am all the time because I owe it to the people that know me mm-hmm. to stay that way do you often get questions from uh you know uh people that want to be an influencer like I don't know when you're out so when people ask me about influencing I'm like everybody's an influencer mm-hmm. what what are you what value are you providing people to make them come to you for advice or whatever it is that you have to offer what are you putting out into the world that would make people want to listen to you Mm -hmm. and does that provide any sort of value to these people and who are you talking to Mm -hmm. so once you figure out who one who you're talking to and are you providing value then you can absolutely be of influence in any realm um, there's a way to do it and make it pretty that takes a whole lot of time and money or you could just jump out there just jump and out there. do it do which you. is what I highly recommend and that's how that's where I came from just people, people respond to the it. real huh yes they do and they, they could catch a fake do. honey 
in a second <laughs> in a hot Kanye West second they sure can <laughs> wow I can't believe we have been talking for an entire hour I can talk for another hour yes y'all know I already told Carmia she gotta get that podcast popping uh, since she liked to talk so much but I am so proud of you Carmia you know you. I've seen you at several events throughout Memphis, um, and I'm just so proud that that you're continuing to move forward, move the Memphis culture forward. Yes. And you know, you rep Memphis on your back wherever you go. You gonna Everywhere. mention Memphis, and you gonna put Memphis Show on. Leos. Show Leos. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish you the best of luck, and I would like for you to tell the WYXR and the verbally effective audience how they can continue to follow your amazing journey. Yes. First of all, thank y'all for listening. And yes. you can find me everywhere on the internet under Carmion Hamilton. My website is CarmionHamilton.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Carmion Hamilton. And if you're looking for me somewhere else, don't even worry about it. Just go to Instagram. That's where I'm at. That's at where she Carmion is. Hamilton. Yes, and that uh, new new um, project. Uh-huh. I can't new, wait to hear the deets. New project coming soon. I'll be back on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Yes, you to will. Talk about it all over again. Yes, I appreciate <laughs> you, Carmion. Look, we might go longer than that next time. You never know because you are so interesting, lady. Oh, well, thank yes, you. thank you so much for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast live today over here at WYXR. Make sure you guys are following Carmion, and I'll keep you posted when this. Pod will uh, post on the verbally effective platforms. Thank you so much.